You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. We are here, and this week, we are starting up a whole new season of Black Mirror, John. I'm so... I I am too. And uh, you know what? I have things to say about this first episode. <laughs> I really do. I know, and I can't wait to get into it. <laughs> uh, exciting as that is going to be, that will be towards the end of the episode. We're going to talk about some geek news first, just like we do every week. Um, John, what's the first story you want to talk about? First story I want to talk about is Bright has been greenlit for a sequel with David Ayer, Will Smith, and Joel Edgerton <coughs> returning. Right. So Bright, the... Fantasy, high fantasy story set in modern day LA, which premiered on Netflix just before Christmas or just before New Year's? No, just before Christmas. Right? Just before Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I watched it. I watched it back then. I thought I thought it was great. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I, I, I'm excited to see what they do with this sequel. I, I already love the, the high fantasy tropes that they threw into a modern day setting with you know the idea of uh, it's it's like I don't know Lord of the Rings meets Into Watch. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to summarize it because it really is that. Yeah, I mean it definitely has a lot of it has a lot of fantasy tropes and it's it's a predictable story and stuff. But I don't know I I enjoyed it a lot and uh, you know there was obviously one story or one person that was left out of that returning. If I. Venture to say Numi Rapace? No, uh, 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 the writer of the movie. Oh, Max, Max Landis. Landis isn't back He's it. not coming back for the part two. Ooh. Uh, I think most people are um, speculating. It's because he is uh, latest in the round of Hollywood people being accused of sexual misconduct or sexual uh, assault. I, I don't know the story. Um, I just know that that's something that happened to him now i guess i mean that would be my guess but to be honest i'd say that he was a huge part of what i liked about this movie so without him involved i mean i hope he left some kind of groundwork or you know legend that they can go by to kind of build on this world because there definitely was a lot of world building going on in this one and with all these references to the dark lord and the event that happened two thousand years in the past and uh, some of the other stuff that's only kind of mentioned in passing, like dwarves and other magical stuff in this world. So, yeah, hopefully they continue that and, you know, 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. I, I'm sure that uh, he did leave something behind because if he doesn't, if he didn't, that would be a shame. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see what they do with the second second movie. I just hope they don't call it the last sprite because then I'll be like, nope, no thanks, no. So uh, yeah, uh, we'll we'll have to see what they do. I mean, that is that is Netflix has just said they're gonna be they're gonna be doing that. So that's uh, that's. That's interesting. Speaking of David Ayer and Will Smith, though, uh, they both were involved in making Suicide Squad two years ago. And uh, some shakeups have happened over there at DC Films, or I don't know, that's what you call it, the DC branch uh, or DC division of Warner Brother Films, uh, or is it Warner Brother Pictures? Um, Walter Hamada? Yeah, Walter Hamada. Executive producer for It over the summer and The Conjuring, Conjuring movies, yeah. yeah, has been named the president of the DC-based film productions. Um, it looks like that he will be working alongside Jeff Johns, or Jeff Johns is going to be working alongside him to make these movies better. So, I've been hearing that Jeff Johns has been relegated to basically producer and name only on these now. Is that what you've heard? And that he's not really going to be having a whole lot of involvement because they felt like he had his chance to prove what he could do and like kind of biffed it a little bit. I don't think it's his fault though. I think a lot of the works that were in progress, they were already in progress. Right. Um, and I mean, obviously, Wonder Woman was well received. The other four movies, not so much. Right. And I don't think there was like his involvement was really any indication that of their quality. I think that was just. They were already being made, and, and he, he was just, just another cook that came in the kitchen too late. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I would say that's a, a real disservice to uh, DC Productions if they don't keep him on in some way other than just in name, because I'd say the guy knows how to write a story. He knows his characters, especially DC characters, so it's probably not a smart move. But, you know, let's see what happens. It, this, Mr. Hamada should might be a great thing for it. Now, what do you think his role is as far as getting the promotion to the head of that department? Well, obviously, we want someone that's going to be like uh, a Kevin Feige over there, which uh, unfortunately doesn't seem like they've had one yet, a person to oversee whether or not these movies are actually good. So I'm hoping that he'll be able to, if not... Be the person that says, hey, this isn't working. At least find the right people to say that this isn't working. Well, I would hope so because this is the kind of producer, and I don't know that much about him, but he strikes me as the kind of guy who's more of a numbers guy. Mm. He's able to get a lot of money out of like low budget or like no names because he knows how to market those kinds of things. I mean, obviously, he already has a working relationship with James Wan, who's who did the Conjuring movies and now is doing Aquaman. So, I'm guessing that's kind of one of the reasons he moved up. Obviously, it was also a Warner Brothers movie. Yeah, and I feel like it just it only had to be decent to do well, and it did because it wasn't great. Uh, I, I I I liked it. But I still think that the TV version, in many ways, uh, storytelling-wise, was a bit superior. Because hmm. it was more consistent in tone. That's one of the things I didn't like about this version. is It kind of jumped back and forth really wildly. <laughs> Fair enough. So, I'm hoping that he 
knows how to make the most with what he's got and doesn't just find ways to cut corners to make a profit. I, I can understand that. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what, what happens because, you know, there's obviously... It, it, it can only go up, really? <laughs> so Well, you would think. <laughs> you would think, but someone could just throw a shovel and be like, okay, go deeper. Pretty much. Uh, see, Animaniacs, Warner Brothers. We're still talking about Warner Brothers. So Animaniacs is going to be returning to television sets through Hulu. That's pretty interesting. I, really, I remember really liking Animaniacs back in the day because they came out just at a time where I feel like my sense of humor was really starting to develop and Animaniacs was subversive and like wacky enough that it challenged like regular Saturday morning cheesy like and now you know and knowing sounded bad <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Like, like no they're not issuing any form of uh, you know social concerns they're just being goofy for the sake of it and I loved it okay yeah yeah I remember that that was a a Saturday morning show but i also remember it more of a like an afternoon after school show like yeah you know, i think come it was home part of like the fox uh after school it was like that in tiny block, tunes yeah. yeah yeah so that could be interesting it's 2020 is when it's supposed to come out on hulu let's hope we make it till then hopefully <laughs> we all know that uh you know people in power got big buttons big buttons WB's Akira enlists the Predator production designer for live action film. I assume <sighs> that you're 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 one a Predator fan and two uh, Akira fan. Yes, but I'm not a fan of taking these properties, like Ghost in the Shell, for instance, that mm-hmm. are very specifically Asian or just whatever they're based in, and then just adding in like Caucasian leads. Or changing the location. We to, don't have anything yet, though. We don't. We don't have a, a cast, and we don't know if they're actually going to change it over to New New York or New San Francisco or whatever. That uh, I think it was New New York the last time around. But see, that's the thing. I'm basing my hesitation on previous experiences with this situation. So nothing leads me to believe so far that they're gonna stay true to its source. You know, the whole idea is that, you know, I think Akira is very specifically a Japanese story that's tied deeply to its own history, going all the way back to the uh, A-bombs that were dropped there and their their two cities. Uh, You know, that really dramatically changed the entire outlook of the culture as a people. I mean, you made an entire country be afraid of technology. And then they embraced it. Yep. And then they became a technological powerhouse while still having that somewhere deep in their subconscious, <laughs> which is why we have things like Godzilla and Akira is very much born of that, um, you know, nuclear par- paranoia. And I just don't think you could really do it justice. It'd be to me, it'd be like when they made that Godzilla movie set in New York with an iguana monster. You know, it's. It took away all of the bite, all of the significance of what Godzilla stood for. <laughs> and it just made it into a schlocky Jurassic Park ripoff. Okay. Fair enough. So it's Martin Wist. I think that's how you say his name. W-H-I-S-T. Uh, his, some of his credits include Shane Black's The Predator, which will be coming out later this year, I believe. Drew Goddard's uh, Cabin in the Woods. Jose Padilla's Ro- Robocop. Um J.J. Abrams' Super 8, and Matt Reeves' Cloverfield, which the Robocop, I believe, is the most recent one, the one with 
uh, Joel McKinnon as the Robocop. Right. So how do you feel about those storylines? Well, it's like a 50-50. Okay. I like Cabin in the Woods. I like Cloverfield. Well, I guess what the bigger the bigger question is, how do you feel about those uh, the looks of those movies? Because he's the production uh, designer. You know, at at the very least, I hope the look is good. Um, I would actually prefer uh, someone like the Wachowskis to tackle something like this because I feel like their aesthetic would lend itself perfectly. Well, I think the last person that was rumored to be in talks for it is Taika Waititi. For Akira? Yep. Wow. Did you watch Thor Ragnarok yet? Which one? Thor Ragnarok? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, he's got the chops for it, but <laughs> would he give it the right tone? I mean, Akira is a very dark story. It's a very dark story. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it definitely has humor like even like most dark stories can, but it's it's not a straight-up comedy. No. Um, it's not a buddy. And I think that's what he usually does is comedies like yeah. uh, What We Do in the Shadows. And, and I mean, I'm always a big fan of someone who's known for a specific genre turn around and do a 180 with their style and just really knock it out of the park. So I'm confident in Taika Waititi's talent. If they, as long as they have the right script and they don't whitewash it, then it, it could pan out. It's just Akira is one of those properties where like the original version, which was animated, which in itself was an adaptation of a manga, mm-hmm. which was like, like three or four times longer than the actual anime was. So yeah. it was not even the complete story. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you have one version in one medium that was good, then another one that was an adaptation, and that was good in its own right. But what would a film version bring to the table is my question, other than just adapting shot for shot yeah, what the anime you did. You could say the same thing about comic book movies. It's just what would a filmed version of, of Civil War actually do for anybody other than, I mean, when you can just do an animated version of it. It's, it's, it's fun to see it in, in real life. I suppose so. It's just as long as it doesn't have... Okay, so a look like something from The Matrix would be great for... Or even like some of the, the uh, cityscape scenes from Thor Ragnarok could lend themselves to Akira. Yeah. Uh, the completely wrong way to do this would be like uh, Ultraviolet. <laughs> where everything looks like it's got Vaseline coated on the lens. So it's got a blurry soft focus to everything and... It looks like neon vomit. Yeah, like that. So, I mean, as long as they get the look right, uh, you know, I could always watch it on mute and just enjoy the visuals. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a thing. Um, <laughs> it's also why I'm hesitant for the Robotech movie. I would so love to see a live-action Robotech, but not if they're not going to do it right. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I know it's not the best example, uh, Transformers, but, like, the way it... Even if you don't like those movies, you have to like the way that the the robots look. The the Transformers themselves look no, pretty good. No, I don't like the way they did the Transformers. They look like well, I mean, you just don't like the de- you don't like the design because they have all the extra moving parts and stuff. You just wanted them to look boxy like the the old cartoon. I would prefer that. You actually not like the cartoon. Um, if you've ever seen the, uh, I think it was Dreamwave or something like that comic series. Yes. Um, <coughs> Excuse I, me. I think it's IDW, right? IDW, yeah. yes. Um, the way they did those were so awesome. 
if you've ever played um, some of the video games that have come out in the last uh, like 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, War for Cybertron, Fall of Cybertron, and I think it was uh, Star- Transformers Devastator, mm-hmm. they do such a great job of adapting the look of the boxy, uh, you know, old school characters but give it an anime kind of look yeah but give it an anime give it a modern twist where it looks like they make sense there was even a toy line that uh, kind of unrelated but it was called alternators which is you know a pun based on the you know car part and also because they alternate i guess (laughs) um where they took realistic cars and they had really really awesome transformations with full articulation nothing like the original toys from the 80s where they often didn't have any articulation right they just went from like a static object to a static robot. Mm-hmm. No, these actually had full-on poses and everything, and they were really, really cool. And I always thought, man, if the Transformers movie just takes these versions and makes them into like their live action, that would be great. But no, they had to become like these crazy whirlwind, <sighs> like mishmash of like metal parts that don't even make sense, and it they. I don't know. Michael Bay was just the wrong person to make these movies. I'll, I'll give him all the props for being an excellent action director. And when he when the humor works, it works great. I mean, I love the Bad Boys movies. <laughs> I, I liked The Island in spite of its flaws. But I felt like he was just the wrong person to do Transformers. But the box office says differently, and that's why he got to make like five of them. It's, this is true. So, this is true. Yeah, I'm in the minority there. Uh, okay. Uh, well, you know, I don't know. With a, I think with things like Cabin in the Woods and Super Bad, or not Super Bad, Super Eight in his in his uh, <laughs> repertoire, I think I think it could he could make it look good. Uh, yeah. So let's jump over to Cloverfield. So the untitled third Cloverfield movie. Actually, I don't think it's untitled anymore. I believe it's called God Particle. Well, God Particle was the the name that it was filming under. It's not oh, okay. technically. It might not be its name. Um, so it was supposed to come out last year, it got pushed back to the beginning of this year, and now it's being pushed back again to April of this year. Yes, and up until very recently, as a matter of fact, um, I believe it was only about four weeks out, and we still hadn't gotten any promotional material, any trailers, and I mean, that's cutting it super close. And then all of a sudden, when people started noticing, that's when an official statement was released saying it's been pushed back like three more months. Mm. And that's very suspect. Yes. It's like, whoa, like, like, did they forget about it? Are they expecting it to be a bomb? And they're just like kind of quietly going to put it out. VOD or something? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure it'll have a theatrical run. No, but I mean, probably... that, that's what maybe they were thinking before this announcement kind of thing. Uh, maybe. You know... I, but you gotta remember, in Ten Cloverfield Lane, they didn't show a trailer for that to like, uh, I don't say a couple months before it came out. Like it, it was very hush hush for a very long time. Yes, it was to the point where yeah, almost nobody knew it was even being made. Which is the same could be said about the first Cloverfield. Uh, well, I guess that's true. You know, I have to say this: I am not a fan of the first Cloverfield movie, but I love Ten Cloverfield Lane. I thought that was such a great movie. Uh, even. With the the ending that I think is the most controversial. I've heard. I have not yet seen it, unfortunately. But I do like the first Cloverfield in spite of its flaws. I didn't like that it was found footage. 
Yeah, um, I don't like found footage movies. I hate it that there was way more mythology and awesome story in the ARG, the augmented reality game. Oh, where, really? Yeah, there was this incredible backstory. I mean, this was back in the days of MySpace. So all of the main characters had MySpace pages. And they were constantly updating them with uh, what they were doing. And there was everybody would pick apart if there was clues to what was going to be happening in the movie. <laughs> and, and there were some... And there were like a series of short videos that were related to one of the characters that was like not even a main character, just kind of like had one brief scene in the movie. But she had a series of like 10 video clips. And then the worst missed opportunity of the whole thing is that somebody had made this connection that Cloverfield was going to be tied to a, a, I think it was a, like a MM, not an MMO, uh, a role playing game. Okay. Called, um, um, Oh, man, I can't remember the name of it. I was all prepared for it, too. Uh, but it was going to be like a Cthulhu uh, Mythos-type oh. game. And uh, it was under like this uh, website called Ethan Haas Was Right, where it talked a lot about prophecies. And like the more you solved puzzles, you saw this cityscape of New York slowly become more and more degraded until it looked post-apocalyptic. It was really interesting. And then come to find out when the movie's out... Almost none of the stuff that was online, whether it was actually tied to it or not, just completely went away. Like It had nothing to do with it. I mean, they had tied in stuff called Slusho, which is a, yeah. a mainstay of Abrams Productions. It's been in Lost, and it was in... Uh, I think it was in the Star Trek movies, too. Yes, it was. The Slusho mix in, uh, in the bar scene. And... Um, they had made a reference to there was some kind of secret ingredient in Slusho that was being mined in deep sea drills, and they accidentally woke up the the uh, Cloverfield creature while digging for this material. And this material also may have been some kind of mutagen that made things bigger. There was a crazy website for Slusho. If you've never seen it, it's so delightfully Japanese. Wow. Where I mean, just think of like the old commercial for Mr. Sparkle and The Simpsons. And it, yes. was, it was basically it's that, but in head. website format. <laughs> yeah, and like the, the translation for it is hilarious. It was like, drinking slusho makes you happy, makes you big as whale. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's pretty gnarly. But yeah, ultimately, I, was, I, I love movies or premises that have this incredible deep mythology with them. And that's what Cloverfield to me promised. And it didn't deliver with the movie itself unfortunately yeah i i really felt like it didn't deliver all that much either so it's it's interesting that uh you would that it would have all that and still not not hit yeah when and i think the problem was that it didn't have that in the movie but anyway all things aside um i did want to bring up that there is this crazy fan theory going around that J.J. Abrams is still working with Valve on some kind of co- collaboration for the Half-Life slash Portal universe, and that they're treating this movie, uh, Cloverfield 3, a.k.a. The God Particle, a.k.a. Untitled Movie, as a potential backdoor into the Half-Life universe. Oh, wow. Cinematic universe. Wow. So what evidence is there for this none that's actually tangible <laughs> it's a lot of hearsay and kind of connecting the dots and i mean there's probably no truth to it and if anything some fans out there have probably created a much more elaborate fan theory with mythology that won't be in the movie just like the previous movies so right 
I mean, take that with a grain of salt, but it would be pretty incredible. I would forgive them for all this essentially lead up to nothing if they actually did something crazy like that. Because, I mean, as far as we know, Abrams is still working with Vel on some kind of cinematic project. That's true. They did say He did say that he was going to make an announcement, which never happened, but... Well, it hasn't happened. Right. It's true. It hasn't happened. When was the last time they promised something like that? Was it before The, uh, the Force Awakens came out? I remember them mentioning something like, oh, yeah, you'll hear more about that soon. There was... He had a show or something, uh, a show that he was... The producer on that he was doing the red carpet for the premiere or whatever sense eight or something no not no, sense was... eight it was it was something else. I, for, I can't remember what shows he's the executive producer on at the moment but i remember he's walking the red carpet for it and he was like oh there will be an announcement for portal like coming up soon and that is not that is yet to happen now i do believe is it matt reeves the one that did that portal short film no that is uh the guy who did the uh, game test video episode of Black Mirror season three. Oh, okay. Um, it is something Matt also though, and I don't know why I can't think of it. Right, that's why I thought it was Matt Reeves, but I think you're right; it's someone else. Yeah. Uh, man, well, isn't he the one that's directing part three of Cloverfield? Oh, that's a good question too. I, I'm not sure. I believe. Uh, let me see if I can find his name. But uh, while I'm doing that, what did you? Uh, I mean, I you said something earlier about the fact that they are just repurposing movies. Yeah. So basically, Ten Cloverfield Lane was not originally tied to the Cloverfield universe. It was essentially its own standalone movie, and I guess when J.J. Um, Abrams got wind of it, he was like, hey, that sounds like an interesting premise, but in and of itself, it's kind of uh, kind of falls flat. Let's kind of rework it a little bit and see if we can uh, do something with this. Mm. So it's Dan Trackenberg, and Dan Trackenberg actually directed 10 Cloverfield Lane. Ah, okay. So, I, And I knew that. I don't know why. He, he did direct the Portal No Escape short. And then he directed 10 Cloverfield Lane. So there's your Which little Which was connection. an amazing short, too. It really was, it, yeah. It, it did such a good job. Now, who was the actress that in, was in that? Wasn't she somebody from, like, Battlestar Galactica or of something co- like of that? Of course, right? When I just closed the, the tab. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. But um, I just thought it was really, really well done, short. And, um, yeah, the closest we've gotten to that kind of portal shenanigans was in uh, Days of Future Past with uh, that one character uh, that could shoot portals for some reason she was doing some pretty cool stuff oh that would be blink blink yes so that was some pretty cool stuff there that i'd like to see in a live action portal movie but uh yeah so basically they repurposed the script for 10 cloverfield lane who knows what it was called before maybe it was just 10 lane (laughs) (laughs) and uh they added the clover well the title cloverfield to it and it's not directly related to Cloverfield, though. I mean, other than some kind of alien invasion, which wasn't really made clear with Cloverfield, whether that creature was an alien or some kind of deep-sea Godzilla-type kaiju. Mm. Although they do drop a little hint at the end of the movie. If you have sharp eyes, you can see that at the very end, when they're doing like a flashback, that you can see uh, something fall from the sky into the ocean. Right. So... Who knows what that is? Some say that that was the Taguado satellite that woke up the creature or that that could have been the alien ship that deposited the egg that 
ate the slusho ingredient that made them big. I think they called it Nectar of the Sea or something like that. Or So the actress who played Shell was Danielle Rain. Uh, she's been some stuff. I don't see anything before the Portal short that was Battlestar Galactica. However, she was the voice of Lady Des- Death Whisper in World of Warcraft Catalyst video game. Cataclysm? Maybe Death Whisper, huh? And then she was also the voice, but this is after the short. Uh, she was the voice of Vetra Nix in the Mass Effect Andromeda video game. Oh, okay. Which is weird because she doesn't speak in the uh, short because Shell is basically a mute. So yeah, exactly. It's kind of funny. Because it's you. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was something else that I saw when I was looking this up, though, but that's not important. Let's uh, jump over to um, Sabrina, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. They finally cast her for the Netflix show. Uh, I don't know if this show is still going to have ties directly to the Riverdale show. It's going to be run, show run by the same guy. Uh, it's Robert Aguirre or whatever his name is. Uh, and the actress that will be playing Sabrina is Kieran Shipka. And I guess most people would know her as Sally Draper from Mad Men. I never watched Mad Men. Yeah. Oh, wow. I like her. She's cool. So there you go. 18 year old Chicago native. Yeah. She's a pretty good actress. She was on that show since she was like six or seven. Yeah. I looked, I remember when it was announced, I looked her up and on her Twitter, it said something about like, you probably know me from me growing up on Mad Men. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. She went from being a little kid to, um, I guess a teen really. Yeah. And some other casting news. We have a new star being uh, cast into the Captain Marvel movie over at the MCU. Uh, the star's name is Dewana Wise. You know her from She's Gotta Have It, the new Netflix show on, or the new show on Netflix from Spike Lee, where he's uh, revisiting his character from a movie that he made, one of his first movies. It is right, as of right now, unknown what, what, part she's going to be playing but a lot of people are speculating that she'll be playing photon uh monica rambeau who at one point was also captain marvel i think or she used that name so maybe not have, like every iteration of captain marvel in this movie from the sound of it, <laughs> it right exactly because we already had Jude law at one point which i think we're everybody speculating that he he'll be playing cat uh marvel, marvel. Yeah. i don't think it was actually ever announced or not but yeah so th- there you go there's more more casting news on that hopefully that movie you know i was thinking about this early, the other day so we're gonna have infinity war later this month or later this year um and then we're gonna have ant-man and the wasp and then you'll i, I have to assume that we'll have captain marvel before we have avengers 4 how are those like i know captain marvel makes a little bit more sense cause that's gonna be set in the 90s but like Ant-Man and the Wasp, how is that going to deal with the fact that, you know, Ant-Man is in Infinity War and then he has his own movie and then it's going to be uh, another, he's going to be in Avengers 4. I assume he's going to be in Avengers 4 or him and the Wasp will be in Avengers 4. Like, do you think it will be a little side mission that they had in, because I assume that Avengers 4 and Avengers 5, or Avengers, Infinity War and Avengers 4, like, happen right after each other. You know what I mean? Right. Well, what's the status of Ant-Man after Civil War? Like, he was released from that, like... No, he's still in that prison. I mean, unless you 
think that Captain America broke him out when he went and got Falcon. Didn't he? I would assume so. Didn't they take all of them out? You, you don't actually see. All you just see is him walking up out of the shadows up to the glass. You don't actually know who he takes. I assume, you assume he takes everybody. Uh, I assume he took everybody, yeah. So, assuming he took everybody, and he's a fugitive. Now, we don't see him in Wakanda, so maybe you're right. Maybe he was left back there to rot. He was like, well, thanks for your service, Ant-Man. <laughs> Peace. It's been real. Yeah, I mean, it, he could make his way back to uh, San Francisco, meet up with his daughter, and then meet up with uh, Hope, and the two of them go on the run together. Which, I don't know why she would want to do that. And um, Yeah, I don't know why either. Well, the the whole... I think what most people believe, I don't know if this is true or not, but the the Ant-Man and Wasp movie is supposed to be about them going into the microverse to save her mother. So maybe that's where he runs off to. So I mean, it's not like anybody can really catch him down there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure one of the stones has the power to... Oh, fair enough. Maybe the reality jam or something or yeah. <laughs> space and time combined. So I, I guess that yeah, that's just kind of where I was with that. I was just wondering how they were gonna add that story in. Yeah, I'm guessing, or yeah, it could be just something that takes place in between or before, like kind of do a little time jump, because uh, we know that the Marvel movies are not really technically released in chronological order. True. Degree. Yeah, yeah, because Iron Man two takes place before the Incredible Hulk, even though. Incredible Hulk came out before it did. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And obviously, Iron or Captain America: First Avenger takes place way before everything else. Yeah. Until the end of the movie. But when he comes back, then that's already after. It's right before. It's right when Avenger starts. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. all the other stuffs already happened. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, they'll find some way to kind of work it out. around. Work with it around it. Yeah. Last story that I have is Game of Thrones officially confirmed to return in 2019. A long time to wait for a show that we based this off of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we're not going to have a whole lot after that's over, uh, unless we count the spinoffs as well. Um, yeah, so I don't know what's going to be... I hope they make it worth it, you know? It's only going to be the same amount of episodes as the last season, right? Like only eight or only seven? Yeah, like only eight, I believe. So, now what do they attribute the time now? Is it just because it's going to be such a long post-production or they just need more time? I would to... assume that it's the post-production. Because I don't even know if they've started filming yet. No. I think the last I heard was a couple weeks ago they sat down to read some scripts. That's true, yeah. So, they, they hadn't even gotten that completed. Yeah. So... Uh, I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, we, you kind of just said that, but I mean, do you feel like that's a good thing that they're going to be waiting a long time or do you feel that's a bad thing? Well, I feel it's a good thing in only in if it improves the quality of the show that we're going to get because they're going to have to make every single episode count this time. Yeah. I mean, we're at the end. There's no more of this story after this. Right. And it's going to have the most special effects because you're going to have like thousands of undead, you know, whites and two still healthy living dragons versus one <laughs> undead one with crazy blue fire, which I can't wait to see more of, by the way. That was so awesome. I mean, I assume that's why we're going to take a lot of post-production for, you know, 
special effects and stuff. You got two dragons fighting it out, maybe three dragons fighting it out in the air, right? Yeah, and all the stuff going on at the ground level as well. Yeah, the hordes of people. And plus, I'm sure they, I mean, now that winter has finally come to Westeros, they have to wait for as many of the locations that they shoot in to be covered in snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or find some kind of alternate where they can shoot and, you know, make it snowy. Well, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i optimistic, I'm hopeful. I haven't been let down by Game of Thrones yet. It still has one season to prove me wrong, though, so... <laughs> Anything could happen. Anything can happen, yeah. I mean, it, it could be a total BS ending where nothing is paid off, like Last Jedi, so... Oh, <laughs> that's threw it out sore. there. <laughs> it's still fresh in my mind. That's That still hurts. Which, as a side story, not really a story, but just interesting to me, a little bit of Shodian fraud, maybe... I heard that The Last Jedi bombed horrifically in China, Ooh. which is one of the biggest markets for American movies these days. That's true. So, yeah, suck it, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's such it's such a divisive movie. It really is. And you know what's the funny part? I don't feel like anybody is truly wrong in their opinion. I really don't either. This movie has taught me one in pretty impressive thing, or important thing, rather, which is that this movie's kind of like a Rorschach test. <laughs> I have found that this movie is kind of a blank slate. It's, it's a movie with a lot of nothing that people bring their own something into it, and therefore the opinion is formed by what they bring into it. Kind of like the cave in Dagobah. Like, what's in there? Only what you take with you. <laughs> well, a lot I mean, of people have been bringing in some baggage and just exposing it. It's basically putting a mirror to themselves. A I black mean, mirror, if you will. Ooh. To their faces. Or a mirror a mirror down in a cave on Octu. Or that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or an infinity mirror that shows you, like, repeated for, you know, ever and ever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've come but to the conclusion. But yet has a delay. <laughs> that was so weird. Yeah, it was, it was such like, a weird decision. I don't know. I just, I just I don't know. Some of the the decisions which were bold decisions to make, you know, so you have were. to give you have to give them credit for making bold decisions in this movie. I definitely do. But it's just they were such weird decisions, the yeah. choices. It's like, Whoa. And some people think they were just really interesting and unique and other people think they were just complete another BS. And I think they're both right. I don't think there's a right answer in this. I think the people who hate it are justified. The people who think it's great are justified. The people who see a deeper meaning, they see a deeper meaning because maybe they bring one with them. Yeah. And a lot of us just kind of see it as, why didn't this do the thinking for me and show me something awesome that I couldn't have thought of otherwise? <laughs> I don't know. The real revelation came to me when I was kind of just like having a shower thought and I was like, man, this movie was just so full of promise and potential. And ultimately, I'm just disappointed in it. Now I know how my parents feel. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. And I had a light bulb moment when I realized, oh, I see. I'm seeing myself in the movie. There you go. And I think that's what people are doing. There you go. Uh, okay. Did you have any other stories that you wanted to, to get I off your chest? I think we're ready to get into Black Mirror. All right. Let's get into Black Mirror. Season 4, Episode 1. USS Callister. What well, I mean, what the, in the move in the show? They he says, where did he get the? Or no, they they named the company after the show because he, uh, the main character was really into the show. Basically, the show is a knockoff of the '60s Star Trek show, the original series. So it'd be like if somebody started a, a tech company and named it Enterprise, right? Uh, you know, I have to. I have to ask, 
what is it that right now it seems like like star trek is just once again hitting another boom like we got the star trek discovery show on cbs all access we have the orville which is seth mcfarland's star trek show <laughs> we have uh i believe the resurgence of galaxy quest the uh the series on amazon is supposed to be happening i think it's because people want the people that want science fiction want good sci-fi again and some of the current options haven't really been delivering on it you know, and I, I have to disagree with that. There are some really great sci- sci-fi shows out there right now, I, I, I feel. Um, if you go and watch, like, uh, Dark Matter. I think Dark Matter is a great show. The Expanse, that's another great show. Um, Killjoys is, 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 is... I enjoy the show, but it's more comical. It's more uh, adventurous than it is, like, hard sci-fi, I think. Uh... Those are just three off the top of my head right now, but I don't know. I think I think it's out there if you can find it. Obviously, there's Black Mirror. Black Mirror is yeah. great. Dimension 404, if you haven't got a chance to watch that yet on I Hulu. Think there's a certain type of optimistic sci-fi that's missing right now, though. And the Orville kind of has a little bit of it because the Orville has more of a Star Trek spirit, in, from what I've understood, than Star Trek Discovery does. Mm-hmm. Um, Galaxy Quest had much more of a Star Trek feel than the next generation movies did yeah like those movies were dark and violent yeah they were (laughs) which was really weird um if nobody's ever seen them i highly recommend you watch the plinket reviews of both the star trek and the star wars movies it'll change your life it definitely changed my perspective on like just movies in general but those in particular and I think that's basically one of the biggest things that we're missing is just sort of a more generally optimistic outlook on the future. A lot of things are kind of dark or pessimistic or dystopian, and we need something, or at least we're demanding subconsciously, something that's a little bit more hopeful. Like, we can use our ingenuity and our technology to move us forward, to get past the problems that we're having today. Uh, You know, the problems of prejudice, the problems of pollution the problems of disengaging uh you know socially because we rely so much on technology in a negative context uh you know the last season of black mirror was really huge on that of like how social media and uh, that kind of technology was actually driving us further apart Mm -hmm. making us less human and more uh fake essentially and i think that's kind of where we need to go or at least that's kind of what we need. So then, if you if you last season with with was a lot about a uh, uh, social media and stuff like that, I, I've only watched this first episode of this season so far. But obviously, this this whole episode uh, deals with a virtual reality uh, video game, which we saw a little we saw a little bit of that in the last season too. Well, I guess that was more augmented reality, but. Do you think that that's what they're going to go with in this one? Because a lot of you see, you know, like we got PlayStation VR, we got, you know, all kinds of new VR games that are coming out right now. So is that what Charlie Brooker is trying to say? He's like, hey, look, this is the dangers of uh, starting up VR worlds. Well, not really. Because this episode, I feel, is probably going to be the outlier of the season. Mm. Uh, I've only seen the first two episodes, and the next episode is way more in line with like some of the darker stuff from the previous seasons. Okay. Um, and it deals more with like surveillance and 
Mm. Um, the basically abuse of certain types of technology. So now I think that this one was just, and like I said, I've only seen these first two, but based on just that uh, combination, I think this is more of an outlier because this one also kind of has in a weird way a a happy ending (laughs) if you choose to see it that way. Okay, so I don't. I don't (laughs) choose to see it this way. Um, So with the main character, Robert Daly, played by Jesse Plemons, I believe is how you say his name. Poor man, Matt Damon. (laughs) I've heard some people refer to him as Meth Damon. (laughs) Okay, I could see that. Uh, I don't know. I, I just remember him from... Friday Night Lights. I, I know a lot of people know him from uh, Breaking Bad, but I never watched Breaking Bad. so it, He looks like the Matt Damon from Team America. Oh, fair enough. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't... I, is, the guy, is the guy creepy for yes. stealing the, the people's DNA? Yes. Yes. Is he, is he doing something bad, though? Kind of. Why? Well, so I can already tell we're going to have some discussions about some of the character and motivation yes yes he was definitely a closet creeper this is the kind of dude he's just socially awkward though and he has he has a, a he has something that allows him to to kind of work that out i mean obviously he takes it in the wrong direction he takes it too far but he's not hurting anybody these aren't living beings they aren't real people but for some reason somehow they do have their real counterparts consciousness they this think is, they do. This is very similar. Now, I have a few problems with the science behind this episode because I feel like they definitely jumped a few uh, narrative steps to get us to the story. <laughs> well, how do you just scan DNA off of something and then all of a sudden turn it into code? And then with it memories. Has the memories, yeah. exactly. But the the character. Okay, so let's go back and let's do a quick recap of like the episode. So, uh, the main character, played by Meth Damon. <laughs> Is like the co-founder of a tech company called Callister. Called Callister because he's a, he's got an obsession with the TV show. Yeah, yeah, he had an obsession with obsession with the old Star Trek style 1960s TV show, and I really love those segments. By the way, the the, the way they were ultra colorful. Yes, and, and kind of campy. Right. Uh, as opposed to the more drab real world, but um, which they end up doing when they make it into the cloud, the upgrade version of Infinity. Yeah. They they have that look. It looks more like yeah, more like clean and washed out and not like ultra technicolor right but um yeah so the found co-founder is basically is like the number two he's like the steve wozniak to uh jimmy simpson jimmy uh, simpson who we 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 talk about a lot for uh westworld from westworld yes and also from it's always sunny oh, i guess so crooked eye. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying he's come a long way from that show um so yeah and so jimmy simpson plays more of like a steve jobs character he's more like the face and the uh the the promo the marketing man Mm -hmm. and you can tell he's got a more of a of an outgoing personality very gregarious and kind of bullyish in a way he's very bullyish to uh to um daily's character yes and so the way that daily works this out is that he's created Part of what his company does is like an online MMO uh, space simulator game um, where you can play as a character in a spaceship and you can be like either the captain or one of the crew members or whatever. And then he has a very special mod. 
and to make he, it. He has a like a personal private server where he has it modded. So the standard game looks pretty clean cut. It looks like a like modern day Star Trek. Would. Isn't that what um, the that one game? Dawn New Horizon or something like that is supposed to be, or I don't know. It's some game where you can go out and explore planets, and there's possibility that you could never find another person or something like that. Oh, there's a few variations of that. There's like Star Citizen, which isn't actually out yet, and then there's also um, uh, No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky, that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, which, yeah, there's a whole controversy dealing with that game. I think uh, Rich would be a good person to talk to about yeah. that one. Yeah for <laughs> all the crap that one went through but anyway yeah so basically it's it looks like it's that kind of game it might also be compared slightly to eve online where yeah basically it takes place in like a simulated universe uh you can go and explore and it sounds like you can trade with other ships that you come across um, <laughs> which we, we, we get a nice little easter egg at the end of the episode we do, which that was aaron paul by it the was way. aaron paul that's yeah. right and him and jesse plemons are friends because of breaking bad yeah so that's kind of cool so um in this private server uh daily gets to live out his wildest fantasies of being the cool guy the captain it's kind of sort of like a twisted walter mitty yes where he's the captain of the starship uh uss callister and it looks very star trekky from the 60s with like the short miniskirt uniform <laughs> uniforms ladies yeah and, and uh which then if this is supposed to be him living out his wildest fantasies, he makes it so that nobody has genitalia. Well, that's a different thing, and we'll touch up on that because I think that has to do with his uh, weird social anxiety thing. Yeah, that of he course, has. it does. But that's <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Which did lead me to probably my favorite line in the movie in the show: the messy with my taking away my my pussy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> is a, is a red fucking line. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good line. <laughs> That's when I know I was in for a good ride on that one. Um, anyway, so uh, it turns out that he works out his uh, inner demons by punishing uh, those around him that he feels have wronged him. And he only punishes, punishes them if they don't play along. Which is still pretty dark. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the little character, the little boy from the Twilight Zone that yes, yeah, turns gonna... you into corn if you don't play along with his little makeup. Right, and that's exactly what I I felt like when I was watching this episode. I was like, oh, this is like the the Twilight. And I've never seen the actual episode of Twilight Zone. I've seen the the ver- the segment Sex they made version? in the no, I said the seg- segment they put in the Twilight Zone movie. Oh, okay. Which I know all those segments in that movie are old episodes that, that they adapted, redid. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Twilight Zone movie version while essentially being the same, was way more twisted. And oh, really? Oh, yeah, it was way darker. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I mean, granted, it was the 80s, and they had a movie special effect budget. So right, yeah. Yeah, they, they managed to get away with some pretty kick-ass stuff on that one with that crazy psycho rabbit and the, <laughs> yeah. the sister with no mouth. Yep. I mean, yeah, that, that was Which, awesome. you know, kind of ha- happens to uh, Kristen Milotti's character, Nanette Cole. She gets yes. her whole face taken away. Oh, yeah. See, okay. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off from your your recap. Do you want to keep recapping? No, nah, go ahead. So that's another thing. See, he he sits there, he takes away her face, and he's like, "Look, you're screaming, and you're trying to you're trying to gasp for air, but you don't actually have a face, and it won't kill you because I I can keep you alive, but it will you'll be sitting there just gasping for air for eternity. And I don't know if it's just my mindset or maybe it's my 
maybe I have a little bit of nihilism in me or something, but it's just like, well, then if it's eternity and I'm not going to die, then why do I care? Well, because you're still being tortured mentally. It's still giving you the feeling. So then it. you should just be able to, to block that out. It's it's well I mean, mind over matter, right? I mean, I've never been waterboarded. True. But I hear but that. But that's actually can... fucking with your breathing. That's <laughs> actually, like, killing you. It's actually, from what I hear, it doesn't actually kill you. It just gives you the sensation like you're drowning. It gives you the sensation of drowning, but you can die. Well, now imagine if... You had a version of that where you still had that feeling, but you didn't die. But if you knew you weren't going to die, then why is the, what's the problem? Well, maybe you just need to have like, you know, a few more experiences and, you know, you'll be okay. But my interpretation of something like that is kind of like. Even his ultimate punishment is to eventually turn them into uh, alien cockroaches or whatever the hell they are. It's like, all right, you're still got you. It's not like it's anything different uh you're just now in another body it's i this one of the problems i had with it is that i'm supposed to feel something for these characters but i have no stakes with them like they're to me they're just digital code that apparently have ascension if you if you want to call it that i still think that they just are programmed to believe that they have ascension see and i disagree because they had memories too but they have their the old memories I mean, they're making new ones as they're going along, but right. they have the memories of, of the other person. Up until, yeah, they go in there. Essentially, it's like that uh, Christmas episode where... Yes, the white Christmas episode yeah, where the cookie is made. Where John Hamm has the, the copy of Una Chaplin, and he has to break her in order to make her comply. It, it, it's very similar to a lot of what happens there. Very true. The only difference is that in... White Christmas, they actually make a good point of how, explaining how the consciousness was transferred into that computer program. Whereas in this one, like I said, they just make some narrative leaps and say, well, the memories tra got transferred with the DNA. <laughs> That's my main problem with this episode overall is that, um, I mean, yeah, that probably doesn't really fly. But maybe I, it's assumed that everybody, maybe, uh, maybe I don't know, if you take the part from White Christmas where the person is wearing those the thing on their head so that it's uh it, it absorbs all of her stuff maybe that's the the same thing happened like everybody just wears those things now and he has access to that code and he's just able to pull it and add it in there to yeah and their personalities yeah i thought about that and that would have been really clever but they didn't even they, they so didn't, much as hint at yeah that. they don't hint at that so i mean the only evidence we have that they even have that technology is the fact that that's how you jack into this game to play it it's mm -hmm. the little thing on your forehead and which is also used in a Another game, another one of the episodes. And a few different ones. That actually seems like the same kind of technology that you see in like a lot of them, albeit in different versions. Um, oh, San Junipero. Yeah. It's San how, yeah how they similar. get to that. Yeah, San Junipero. They put the little thingy on their ear and forehead. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I disagree. I actually feel like the, although they're not actually their their counterparts they still have their memories and they still do have consciousness so what he's doing to them i mean they don't know any better they know that they're not going to die but they can still feel like you know these different things that are being done to them and it, it could be said that well maybe with enough time they can just get used to it um but i think that just they did they were look at look at um the 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 douchebag boss partner guy he got used to it like he knows that you know, he'd have to sit there and watch his son get killed again 
And that'd be the worst thing. Like, he just, com- he complies. He, the guy's getting choked out by, you know, man with godlike powers. Well, and it definitely becomes mind over matter when he realized he couldn't do that to him after a while. Like, he's like, I, you can torture me all you want, whatever. And he brought his son in. Yeah. And then it became a different kind of mental torture. But it was still mental torture because that wasn't really his son. No. He got to see just an effigy of it being destroyed over and over again to mess with him. And it worked. So it's it's all about mental. It's about what he like knowing how to get under your skin. Yeah. And but exploiting he, that. he doesn't have that for I don't know, it's it doesn't make any sense to me. The the the. I don't I don't know. I feel like this this could have this should have went a different way. And one, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the character of the, of of uh, uh Nanette should have maybe it doesn't make for exciting, but like maybe should have just sat him down like in the game and been like, "Hey, maybe you should just talk to someone about your your anxiety problems, your 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 social awkwardness, you know. Then you wouldn't have to have this world to go go away when maybe that's against what black mirror is trying to, to show people but i really feel like something else should have happened in this episode so like he should have had some kind of uh i mean now the dude is dead like he's literally stuck in a game in catatonic or i don't i don't even know what what he is at the end of the episode He's basically stuck in the He's server brain because dead. he became disconnected. Yeah. yeah. So, so, like, his mind is still stuck in the game and he can't get back out. So, he's 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 sentenced to, to death because he had a video game? Because he made video game versions of his of the people he works with? That, that, the, the punishment does not fit the crime. Yeah, but see, my interpretation of that... Uh, because I can see we have very opposing views on that. <laughs> I feel like he got his just desserts, even though he technically wasn't hurting real people. I think that he had the makings of a like real life sociopath, and so, the fact that he had something as an outlet for this kind of thing was the only thing keeping him in check. So then, shouldn't that have been the the better the better the better way should have been for her to to talk to him to come in there and be like, hey, do you not see what is what's wrong? And then at that point, when he when he refuses to to seek out help, then you can kill him. That I mean, I feel like that that step is, should have been in there. Yeah, I suppose. But like I said, like this is kind of a weird one because it has a, like a semi happy ending, but also kind of a messed up ending with uh, the crew being able to free themselves. You know, because she was skilled enough. And actually, that was one of the things I really liked about it is that even though he was the number two and he had this whole world he created, she was still able to outsmart him Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, use his own technology against him to get themselves free. And they were planning on basically letting themselves die. They figured they were going to be deleted when they, uh, you know, escaped from the game. Uh, And it was a pleasant surprise that they continued to exist outside of it and now they were in the game proper in like the real world which is kind of weird right because they're gonna be npc characters but they're gonna not be npcs i mean they literally can do anything they want yeah they're basically just from a game playing you know side like when uh jesse not jesse but uh aaron paul's character asked them you know what do you have to trade they're like we don't have anything so I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to go digitally mine some stuff? <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think they're going to start playing the game, and, like, that's going to be their life. Or, 
I mean, that they don't sounds, have to eat. Oh, they she does. And they do say that they have genitalia now. Did they really? Yeah. I missed that part. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she got her, you know what, back. <laughs> 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 I really felt for her with that. I'm like, man, that's a cause I can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the girl back. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I really feel like this one went in the wrong direction. It just, it made it so that there was, I don't know. I just, it just, I didn't feel like he deserved as much crap as he got. I mean, this is a guy that's kicked down. He is intelligent enough to create this thing that, that is sustaining this business and everybody just kind of kicks him and, and says, you know, that guy, that guy's not the boss when actually he is, he's the chief technology, techno CTO of the, of the company. I mean, it's pretty important. Well, yeah, he was rich. He was a sociopath. He had problems relating to people. See, you see sociopath. I see. I just see awkward, socially awkward. Like he just doesn't know how to talk to people. You know what's funny? I feel like that in 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 normal circumstances, the the roles should have been reversed. That I that I would see a sociopath. That you yeah, would see. Yeah. I should be sympathizing with him. Right. No, I was totally like, no, this guy's a douche. He has to go down. <laughs> Which is strange. Which but, I, I thought Walton, Jimmy Smith Simpson's character, was just a complete douche. Well, he was a complete douche in real life, but in the game, I really felt sorry for him. Like, that version that he had to be reduced to. But see, even in the point where he's distracting uh, daily, you know, he's like, hey, you know, I just wanted to say I'm sorry. You know, I... As your partner, I was treating you wrongly, and then you can see it getting to daily. He's like, he's not a sociopath because he sees it. he's he's reacting to that. He's like, yeah, you know, dude, it, I, I'm glad you could say something. And then he's like, fuck you, and it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, it, obviously my plan would have worked also. I suppose so. And so then if they would have talked to him and had had him sit down like a therapist, <laughs> he would have just eventually got rid of them. And then they would no longer exist again. <laughs> so you see an alternate storyline where he comes out a better person from all of this. Yes, he comes out a better person. They no longer exist. The company prospers. But no, we have to get this one where the dude's going to be found on Christmas Day. Probably not because he obviously has no friends. So it's not going to be until after everybody gets back. It's supposed to come back uh, for after New Year's probably. So for two weeks, the guy's probably going to be rotting in his in his fucking computer room, dead. I feel I feel sorry for him. Well, knowing how much he likes to go get pizza, the pizza guy might eventually be like, "This guy hasn't ordered a pizza in, yeah. in a couple and of days." I've actually heard that that's happened in real it, life. It has happened in real People life. We're like, "Hey, the pizza dude doesn't like." called for a pizza in a while yeah whoever you know and they go check up on him and sure enough like he's lying face down in a pile of his own puke but they managed to save his life or something like that and, or they find that they are dead it's yeah. happened both ways yeah true <laughs> uh a couple things uh the character shania who was played by michaela cole she was also in the nosedive episode from season three she was the airport stewardess that gives uh you know the double Oh, yeah. The double, double negative. Or double whatever. negatives or whatever, yeah. Uh, Callister Inc. is on the 13th floor, which is a reference to the movie The 13th Floor, which is all about virtual reality simulation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Kirsten Dunst has an uncredited cameo as a Callister employee in the background because she is the partner to Jesse Plemons, uh, who I believe they met on Fargo. Uh, she just happened to be visiting that day and decided to do an unplanned cameo. Uh, obviously, there's uh, when he's putting the DNA into the computer, it says assimilation, which is very Borgish. Yeah. Uh, green code can be seen on some of the computer screens on Robert's computer screens when he's at work of obviously reference to the matrix, the falling green code, right. you know, the cascading code. Yeah. yeah. Cascading. That's what it, that's the, the right word. Uh, Ranak and, uh, what was the other skin skin lane, which, uh, are, were a name of planets in this episode were also the surnames to characters in in uh, White Bear. Uh, Christy, Christine Melody was also on Fargo with Jesse Plemons. Uh, Brush Wade is the coffee that What's-Her-Face uh, Shania w- wants, I think. Yeah, and that's also the, the stuff that Lacey orders in the coffee shop in Nosedive. Oh, yeah. Oh, Billy Magnuson. I don't know how you say his name exactly. Uh, he's the one who played Valdak in the episode, the the uh, the guy that Daly is constantly trying to destroy or whatever. Like the or antagonist? Catch. Yeah, the antagonist. And obviously it's because he's kind of a, a everything that Daly wants to be in real life with you know the guy that works out kind of looks looks good stuff like that looks like an 80s glam rocker yeah he really does uh i saw him for the first time that i recognized was in that birth of the dragon movie the bruce lee movie that came out uh last fall mm-hmm. and i was like you know what i think that guy would play a great hal jordan mm, i can see that all right cool i just wanted to bring that up uh let's see Breaking Bad, Aaron Paul was in the episode. Star Trek Next Generation wearing a passive... Oh, there's an episode of Star Trek Next Generation where I think it's that engineer who... Uh, he's very shy all the time, but he gets he uh, he uses the holodeck to live out fantasies. I'm talking about Jordy? No, he's Jordy's like secondhand or, you know... He's, he is one of the engineers. He might not be Jordy's secondhand. White guy. Troya, I think it's her, her name's Troya, right? The psychiatrist on the... Dean and Troy? The, is it uh, just Troy? Path or whoever yeah. Is, yeah. She tells him to use the holodeck for, to work out some stuff. No? All right. Is it O'Brien? Maybe, no. No, O'Brien's the... He, at that point, he's just the uh, transporter. Yeah, he's a transport engineer. guy. Hmm. can't remember who the engineer is then, but that sounds interesting. Uh, Westworld, obviously, White Christmas, Breaking Bad. I don't know. It says the password for Nanette's photo account is Y998TP7TY ampersand four. Does any of that mean anything to you? Um, no, I'd probably have to look, look at, at it in print or something to see what it is. But doesn't it look doesn't any like, like anything. any any elite speak I've ever seen. I mean, it sounds like a definitely a secure password. It says the the fact that the members of the USS Callister crew have no genitalia is a nod to the old Star Trek joke that, that there's no bathrooms are ever shown on throughout the series. Oh, that's a good point. Although technically I believe they are in the blueprints. If you ever look at any of those, old, of I mean, course they are super geek. Too, like, <laughs> yeah. 
But there are blueprints out there for the entire ship, and they do show bathrooms. Toby Haynes is the director of the episode. He's done other shows like The Musketeers, Sherlock, Doctor Who, uh, Being Human, Holly Oaks. Uh, you know what? The missing genitals kind of reminded me of Dogma. Me too. And yeah. I, I mean, that's what they look like, really, yeah. like a Ken doll, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, and then Christy, Christine Milani, I think the mo- thing I know her from is Wolf of Wall Street and How I Met Your Mother. She was the mother. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Show that went on for too long and whatever. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, I, I've said as much as I need to say about the episode. Um, I, only thing I haven't mentioned yet is that it felt more like an episode of Doctor Who than Oh. Okay. Uh, just because they had that kind of slightly cheesy cornball, uh, you know, campiness to it, while still having like a real serious thing that happened in the end. Yeah. Um, as very reminiscent of like a lot of the things that happened in the Tenant era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, I think this is going to be the outlier of the series. I think next episode we're going to be right back in the. Uh, uncomfortable territory of dark mirror that we're so so fond of well okay uh i'm excited to see the rest of the season um i know uh, uh, since i'm one of the few people that's just doing episode episode a week uh there's already been a lot of rave reviews about the other episodes so i can't wait to see what else we got to get into yeah i'm already seeing memes that i don't understand because i haven't <laughs> seen the episodes yet and I'm like, i mean oh, there's already like uh there was stuff in the trivia section for imdb on this episode that refers to episodes that are later in the season so like it will eventually make sense to to us like i guess the the app the dating app that um the one receptionist is using when he walks up to try and get in that's part of a later episode oh interesting uh all right if anybody else has some insights or topics they want to talk about you can get a hold of me on twitter it's at agent underscore of the underscore bat John is also on Twitter as I am at Magic Bollocks, and I actually want to put up like a poll. I was like, "Did Daily deserve to die in this episode?" You know, we can we can do that. We you can <laughs> you can you can get him on his uh on his uh Twitter and and tell him that you can get it on our our Twitter. I'll put it up on our Twitter. Sounds great. And uh, Let's hashtag him on there. We'll hashtag yeah. We'll hashtag him on there. And uh, Instagram or the rest of Geekly Radio is at Geekly Radio on Twitter. Instagram is at Geekly Radio also. Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Radio is our Facebook page. GeeklyRadio.com is our website. You can check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network. And uh, make sure to do that. But until next time, come back next week. Check out more of Black Mirror. This is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Radio Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.